Hey guys, welcome back for episode 6. Today we have an awesome talk for you guys, which is another replay of a talk given to the ACC students last year. This talk was given by two great Kairos and facilitators for Kairos training culture, Dr. Lenny Kriebel and Dr. Damiano Costa. Lenny is an ACC grad, and Damiano completed his studies at Madrid College of Chiropractic. Both of them were involved in the Adjusting Ninjas Club during their studies. This club was later renamed Kairos Training Culture and is essentially a training program which prepares the chiropractor to deliver their best adjustments and take care of their body while adjusting. Other training programs like this do exist as well. Shout out to Syntropy and MLS. All three share something in common, that being the idea that in order to be great at any skill, you have to put in the hours and train your body specifically to master that skill. Just as any athlete would have to spend time off the field training, we as chiros should be spending time out of clinic training our craft. Both of these gents have also been heavily involved in the WCCS, a worldwide chiropractic student organization, with Damiano leading the organization as the vice president and president during his time as a student. In this talk, they break down some fundamentals into the science and art of adjusting. They also give us various insights into chiros training culture. Alright guys, I hope you enjoy the talk. So when I was also a student, I got involved in, in what we call the Kairos training culture. Back then, it was called Adjusting Ninjas. And the reason why I'm here right now is because of that. And I want to share you a little bit the why I got involved in this Kairos training culture community and what it is. Because have you ever, have you heard about Kairos? Or, yeah, you've seen maybe videos, Facebook groups, pages, everything all over social media. But... I would like to give you a little bit of like my perspective, my why, my why, like why I got involved in in, uh, in Kairos, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper in also like the the power of the adjustment, which is directly related with what we are doing with Kairos and we are going to be doing this weekend. So for me, Kairos, Kairos training culture is a family. It's a group of like-minded people who are committed and dedicated to become a better person of themselves every single day and they do it by challenge and support each other with most most of the time with chiropractic specific training okay the first time i've heard about kairos i was in a, i was in malaga for a wccs seminar we had a blast it was so much fun and there was this guy from life west from california who at, at, some point in the random one of those night events at the bar we started with shock and he said yeah so tomorrow morning we're going to start at 6 a.m we're going to do some some training some chiro specific training i was like um what what did you say 6 a.m so yeah of course why not it's like well okay i mean it was like 2 a.m at the time we were talking and there was a couple of beverages already in our bodies so i was like well all right we'll see and i showed up at the training and I, my mind was blown because in my personal background, I played for almost 15 years water polo. I mean, you can say that, right? <laughs> At a professional level. So in my head, it, it was this like idea of if you want to get good at something, you have to train the hell out of it, right? And so when we were showed up at the training, already we, still with our suits on, it was a mess, but we really saw the potential. Of, of chiropractic specific training, of, of having a community of people that provide you that knowledge and help you to go through a process of training. And, and for me, that it clicked in my head. I was like, yes, I want to get involved with that. I want to know what it is. I definitely want to, to expand my knowledge on that and maybe also share that with 
other fellow chiropractic students and chiropractors, and that's that's why I'm I'm here right now. Apart from that, I as I said before, let's dive a little bit into the power of the adjustment because with the training to get better at chiropractic will help us and will help also you if you want to get involved in in the Kairos training culture in the club that I think Mirta is running this year. Is that correct? Okay. Because what we do here, like chiropractic, has an amazing infinite potential, which is the power of the adjustment. In order to explain that, I would like to take one step back and going a little bit deeper into the, let's say, biomechanics on how our body works. So have you ever heard about mechanotransduction? Maybe you're starting it. I don't know. Okay, well, I'll explain it to you. Um, Mechanotransduction basically is, um, is the ability of transforming a mechanical information into a chemical or electrical signal. Okay? It was a concept that was introduced back in the 70s and the 80s, and, but in, there was a very nice, interesting article published in, I think it's 1997, by Donald Ingber, and it's called The Architecture of Life. In that paper, they really find, found a way to demonstrate and to explain how um, the mechanical transduction works in our cells. So to understand the bigness of the chiropractic adjustment and of what we do as chiropractors, we have to start from the smallest functional unit of the body, which is the cell. So what they found was they took three stem cells and they created three different environments with these three stem cells. So the first one, they provided a very wide, big space for the cell to expand. And they observed after a while that this cell, after a while of expanding and expanding and expanding, it divided. Okay, so from one stem cell to get two. Then they took another one and they put a super tiny, tiny space, like a, like a T for the golf ball. And they observed that this cell, after a while, it became to, to get into a process of apoptosis. Something like the cell knew there was not enough space for it, so it started to self-destroy because, I mean, there is not enough space, I'm done. And the third one, they created this, what we will call the ideal tension state, which is an environment, a, a space where there is not too much space and it's not too small. What did the cell do? They observed that the cell started to evolve, to change. So from the stem cell, it became whatever it was supposed to become, a bone cell, muscle cell, or whatever. So the big takeaway from this article was that a change in the environment, in the tension and compression in the environment, can actually change the gene expression of a cell. Okay? Change in the environment is change in the environment affects the self the cellular expression and the gene expression. Probably you have heard also about epigenetics. That should be a bit familiar. But you know that quote of this, I, I think it's an American physicist who said that, but they said, he said, genes load the gun, environment pulls the trigger. Of course it's America, right? because they're a bit obsessed with guns. <laughs> Whatever, that's amazing. We are all Europeans here, right? Yes? I'm not offending anyone? Oh, cool. <laughs> so. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore, too late. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, now, in order to understand how this works in the living system, because I mean, we are talking about cells and about thanks also to proteins on the, on the membrane of the cell, what's happening outside the cell get transmitted into the inside of the cell, thanks also to the cytoskeleton, whatever, I'm just gonna skip all this theoretical stuff. So let's just 
take one other step back from the cell to the living system, to the human body. And also in order to explain that, I have to introduce another concept which is called biotensegrity. I hope at least everyone has heard it at least once in their life, I hope. Well, if not, you're gonna hear it now. Because biotensegrity is what we call the tensional integrity of living systems. So the ability of a, of a living system to adapt and bear external forces through a network of uh, tension-bearing members and compressional structures. I'm, I think you're lost now. <laughs> Anyways, okay, I'm gonna explain it to you in an easier way. So every human body has the ability to distribute the forces that we are like uh, that we receive, like for example, gravity, thanks to our muscles and our ligaments and our bones and joints and fascia, we can distribute the forces throughout our body. But there is a need for continuity. There is a need for the system to be flexible enough in order to distribute forces instead of, like for example, your student. So you know what it means to spend more than five, eight hours a day sitting in a, in a chair in front of a laptop or a phone or a book, studying and sitting all day. You realize how your the biomechanics of your body changes after few year, few days, few weeks, few months doing that without maybe doing anything else, without maybe not even exercising. So, it's for us it's super important to keep this biotensegrity system in continuity and flexible enough for the body to be able to express itself at 100% of the full potential. And that's where chiropractic comes in. The amazing opportunity that we have as chiropractors is to really let's say, establish the continuity, which is a very famous concept in BGI, biogeometric integration, is another, a whole another story, but this is the whole idea. We have the opportunity to help people get to the ideal tension state. And that is why it's so important. It's a very big potential power that we have with the adjustment. And so that's why it's so important to train it, right? And another reason why for us it's so important to become the better version of ourselves every single day is because it's a bit of a personal story. So I'm from Italy, and in our country, in my country, there is approximately three to 400 chiropractors, which is not a lot compared to the 70 million people that live in Italy. And right now, the, let's say the medical lobby is trying to put chiropractic into the, the box of a secondary healthcare profession with three-year degree course which is not good, which is not good. It's like, literally, it's the worst thing that could happen for us, especially in Italy. So, and on the other hand, in Spain, because I studied there, to, to today, like, until uh, today, there is chiropractors that are uh, forced to close their practices because physios around them call maybe like the police or whoever they call them, and say, like, call to the police and say, go check this guy because he doesn't have a license to deal with any kind of condition, any type of, uh, of problem, health problem. And so if the police comes in your office in Spain and they go into your waiting room and they ask to one of, your, of the persons there sitting why they're there, and if the answer is anything in between pain, like anything pain related, they are forced to close your practice because you are not a healthcare professional. And that's what happens in Spain. It's still happening right now because there is no legislation. And in Ireland, which is where I worked, there is a lot of GPs, most of GPs, which still will tell you, don't go to chiropractors, they will hurt you. It, it's as bad, I, I promise. I was there and I experienced that, so yes, it is. 
And that is why it's so important for, for us to become great chiropractors. We cannot be mediocre chiropractors, I'm sorry. You choose chiropractic, or chiropractic choose you, but you gotta step up. Anything that you do, anything that you like to do, whatever is that you like about chiropractic, step up, show up, and do the work. Because really, we cannot afford to have mediocre chiropractors. There is a, an expression which I've been, which I've heard, I've heard it's used in Italy and Spain. Down there we say, if a medical doctor fails, you go to another medical doctor because medicine still works. But if a chiropractor fails, chiropractic sucks. Okay, I'm giving goosebumps. But it's true. It's true because it, not that many people know what chiropractic is, so most likely someone that goes and see a chiropractor and for whatever reason it doesn't work for them, they think chiropractic doesn't work for them. Well, maybe it's just the approach that is not specifically, you know, it doesn't even resonate with this person. But unfortunately, culturally, they will say, oh, chiropractic sucks. And so, the, again, this is why it's super important for us to be the best we can every single day. It's just, it's just the way it is, guys. And, uh, yeah, we, we need to get out there, get involved, and, and really become the best version of ourselves we can be. Because at the end of the day... It's something I thought about last last time when I was reviewing my some notes for, for the candy we're gonna have this weekend. So what I what I explained before, I said the change in the environment can affect the gene expression. Okay? Now we can also say that a chiropractic adjustment is a cha cause a change in the environment. So if A equals B and B equals C, then we can say the chiropractic adjustment can affect the gene expression. So let, let's that sink in a little bit because it's quite powerful and sometimes we're not even aware of that and once again that is why it's so important to get our work together and train and become the best version of ourselves in order to serve the people that we care about and the best of our potential all right so with that being said I would like to leave the stage to my your friend, Dr. Lenny. Thank you, guys. So as you can see from the glasses, you know that it was a smart part of the talk. <laughs> um, yeah, well, so that is really important. And for the students, well, all of your students, um, I can only hope that you get involved with whatever resonates with you. It doesn't matter if it's a certain technique or if it's like getting really involved in political stuff or in or in, in putting a bridge between the medical profession and us or physios and us, it doesn't matter. Um, can I just quickly see from the guys who are here, I mean, a lot of you I know from, from college still, uh, who actually trains here at the, at the college, in the gym? Okay, the majority. And who of you trains actually for chiropractic and for the adjustment? All of the ones who train. Cool. <clears throat> And so when you train for the chiropractic adjustment, is it something that, like, what's your main focus? Is it speed? Is it force? Is it, what is it, a mix of all of it? By show of hands, speed? Force? What? <laughs> um, okay, so <clears throat> the problem was when I studied here, there was, from what I've heard now, there was a whole lot more... Um, the, 
that was actually available to us in terms of having a concert room, which I've seen now is taken away, um, and people actually showing up in the morning, which mainly were the Norwegians uh, training concert in the morning. Who is Norwegian? No one? No Norwegians, okay. Not so popular here with the Norwegians. Um, but so, when I was here, the Norwegians were the ones actually training probably the hardest for the technique. And they were the ones like who show up before class, practicing in, uh, in what's the room called? Tier 2. Uh, and actually doing their strikes, training with therabands, like doing all their thing, um, to become better in Gonsten. And obviously in Norway, it's still probably the number one technique, I guess. Uh, but the importance for me was that I wanted to find a way from my first year in college till the very end to actually become the best version of what my technique or my style is going to be. And so what I did is like I started actually training uh, with the Norwegians in the morning uh, and with some Germans who were kind enough to join. And then we started like going through all this stuff and then did Thompson really intensively, did Activator Method really intensively, then we went through MLS and like all these different techniques. To actually have a certain amount of time that we spend on a specific technique to really get the basics down. Because <clears throat> I can't speak for other colleges, but I can speak for this one. And from what I know is that when we learn here, we, I think, learn a lot of good stuff. <clears throat> and then what we don't learn so well, I think, is that we don't really have a approach or like a protocol to follow when we actually with a client or with a, with a patient. So what I felt when I was in clinic was, well, I had a lot of knowledge, but then when it comes to the, to the uh, patient and I've done my neuro exams and like the, all the uh, cranial nerve exams and stuff, and then you stand there and you do your chiropractic stuff, then you're a bit stuffed, you maybe check the SI joint, you maybe like check the spine and you push and you do your thing. But what if you find the one thing, how do you verify if that's really what you need to adjust in that case? And so for me, what I was lacking was like a protocol to follow when it comes to assessing and adjusting the body. Um, so what I've done from my second week in college, uh, just after Freshers Week, uh, I started doing my first seminars. And so like I started doing like toggle recoil, knee chest up cervical, like, you know, MLS, Thompson, Gonstead, whatever, like everything that I could uh, to pull from all these different areas to actually make my style better. Uh, and that I kind of continued all the way through till we went to America and actually got exposed to uh, Kairos training culture or Justin Ninjas at the time, uh, which resonated with me because it was like a kind of universal approach to adjusting. It would just help you train to become better at your own style of adjusting. So it doesn't matter if you find a sustainable, effective, efficient way of using the activator to shoot someone's C1 back into place, or if you like doing a diversified Gonstead or whatever approach, or even like an NSA approach. And what I liked about that is that it's the first time someone actually put together a program to help you as a student bring some structure to your training and give you like a good way of training speed, sustainability, force, and like a proper application and a way of assessing the body, which for me was really key. And that's why we got involved and that's why I started the club here at the time, which I think when we were training still at the time, we had maybe like 20, 20 to 30 people showing up in the morning, uh, which is really amazing. <clears throat> now, if you imagine that if you go to the gym and you train your chiropractic specific training, now which quite a lot of you actually do, how amazing would it be if you're actually in a group of like 20 or 30 
or 50 people, right? So like Johannes from, from uh, the, the Barcelona College, who sits in the middle, he actually started the club now in Barcelona to get more people involved to train together, no matter or regardless of the technique they're actually using then in practice. Uh, just because it's nice to train together, the energy is different, and also you have a much higher uh, accountability to the adjustment, right? Like when someone holds you accountable to step up, even if it's raining outside, then you better show up. And I think that's something that's really valuable and you shouldn't just uh, forget about and focus only on studying. And I mean, the guys who are sitting here at the moment, <clears throat> well, that you took the time of studying like, just to come and listen to us is really, I really appreciate that. And a bit more about like the power of the adjustment because like, that's kind of one of the intents of the talk. <clears throat> uh, maybe I share a bit of my story. Is I used to, as some of you might have seen, because I've just heard the photo still up in the clinic, I used to be world champion in canoeing, and so there's still like this picture with me not in the clinic. Um, but for me, that was like the reason, or one of the reasons why I studied chiropractic, because I wanted to help people reach their peak performance in whatever they want to do. It doesn't matter if you want to perform in sports, or if it's you performing best in your business. And with that mindset and growing up with a mother who's handicapped, uh, I kind of started to look into what I could do with what I've had from school, because I was really bad in school, so there wasn't much I could do. I couldn't study medicine because I was too bad at it. Uh, and then chiropractic came along, and that for me was allowing my lifestyle that I wanted, plus I could help people in a natural way. And for the power of the adjustment, while I was a student, <clears throat> it was actually quite interesting, my mother, she's paralyzed from T5 down, like all the way down. And at some point she had such a bad scoliosis that she had to go in for surgery. And that was, I think, my third year in college or something. And uh, what they've done is they went from T5 all the way to L2 down and put screws right and left of the, of the vertebrae in the, in the pedicles, I think. And then they stiffen it out with rods and they pull the spine straight. And there's a lot of tension and then that's meant to keep everything upright. And so what's happened then that after 10, and I mean, if you think T5 all the way down to L2, that's quite a big distance. <clears throat> and that pulled straight with all the tension of the muscles, all the tension of all the fascia and all the structures around it that pull it into the scoliosis. Uh, what happened is they released her after 10 days after a surgery like that. And if you've ever seen a surgery like that, it's one of the most brutal things I've ever seen. You know, they open up the whole back, they pull all the muscles, they screw in, they talk it, they literally stand there with four or five people trying to straighten out the spine. And then 10 days later, they released her to go home where obviously she couldn't really take care of herself by herself. So my brother had to take time of studies uh, to take care of her. But what happened is that she had like a huge infection in the spine. So like meningitis. Uh, so they got her back in, did like, a, like an emergency surgery and took all the metal back out of the spine and then she was in hospital for about one and a half years, one, one year, one and a half years, uh, without any day at home. And so while I was a student, and obviously I was a very, if you want to call it, vitalistic student, uh, that was so far against what I believed, but I didn't feel ready to actually speak up against it, against the surgery, against like the whole approach. So I didn't, uh, to the point of where actually the metal got taken out and I was like, okay, hey, that's enough, that's kind of my time to step up and have the certainty in what I've studied and have the certainty in what I know to actually go and speak to the neurosurgeon and say, look, 
I don't believe what you've done is right and I don't want my mom to have another uh, metal rod put in her spine. And so what I did was like I flew quite regularly back home uh, to Hanover and then picked up a activator from the clinic where I used to be treated uh, from the chiropractor, borrowed it and drove to the hospital and started adjusting my mom. And that was in third year in college and for me it was probably one of the life-changing events where soon after I started adjusting her, her spine started to heal and actually the surgeons uh, went in and wanted to do the surgery to put more metal in and they did another x-ray and her body healed against all the expectations to the point where there was no surgery we needed anymore. Now can you contribute that towards the adjustment? I don't know and it doesn't really matter but what that story really told me is that <clears throat> life will always put the people in your path that you're ready for and also the situations that you're ready for to deal with. So sometimes you feel you find a patient in the clinic uh, that seems so far out of your comfort zone, but if you look back after three, four weeks of care, you're easily able to manage those cases, <clears throat> even as a student. And I think that for me was a big takeaway that I needed the artistry part of chiropractic to know actually when and where to do what I, what I did. <clears throat> I had to have my philosophy to actually have the certainty to go in in a hospital with all the medical doctors around me and actually start adjusting my mother. Uh, and I need to be strong enough in the science of chiropractic or science in general to actually justify adjusting in the hospital. So with all of that said, like for me, that was really the one power moment while I was a student. And then when you actually graduate and you start working anywhere, well, I'm in Amsterdam now and love it, uh, but it's the funniest thing where patients come to you with MRIs, with CT scans or whatever, and they put it on your table and say, look, uh, my neurologist says I don't have a hernia, and like I just showed it to Damiano, and it's like a sequestered disc, or like it's a disc that's pushed so far out that it's already broken off, or even so far out that like it's just a protrusion or an extrusion of the disc, and the neurologist says, we don't even call it a hernia because you don't have any symptoms. So they don't call it a hernia just based on pain or no pain. And those people are really the people that you can serve because they lost all faith and hope in anyone else. Uh, and that to me is really also the power of chiropractic. Now, for those who sit here, like who is a final year student? Okay. Do you, do you guys know where you're going to go afterwards? Some yes. of you? Yes. Do you know what kind of style of chiropractic you're going to practice? I don't need to know what, just in general. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. And is that based on you going into a clinic uh, and, and that just happened to be a technique or is it something you're really interested in? Really like interested in. Yeah. Also on top? The te you go there because of the technique? Uh, well, they're both. They're both. Okay, cool. <clears throat> so, there's like one more thing I, 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 I said I would talk about um, to some of the guys earlier, and that is kind of your choice of a job and how important that is. Now, uh, I spoke about it in Paris when we were giving a seminar in Paris, but I think you don't hear it often enough, uh, and that's why I'm here to tell you. Because somehow in this college, and I was in the same boat, <clears throat> you tend to have the, uh, the, the opinion that the best possible job is if you could get it like a great chiropractic job with a chiropractic mentor or like a legend in chiropractic and they would mentor you through uh, your job and your daily routines um, 
And that sounds nice in theory, but in actual reality, it doesn't usually tend to work like that. So the mentoring from what I've heard and seen is never as great as what it should be. Uh, and most people, they feel ready to, uh, to switch the job after one or two years. And so when I just walked in and I got the question, oh, am I still in the same practice in Amsterdam? For me, that's again, like one of those signs where I'm like, yes, of course I'm still in the same practice in Amsterdam because the job I chose for me was actually like a job that's really sustainable long-term. Because in, in, at Human Health where I'm working, <clears throat> there is no need for a chiropractor to leave the practice at some point and actually say, well, I'm gonna open my own unless you wish so. Yeah? And even then there's things in place that they would support you to build up your own practice. But so the really important thing for me is that <clears throat> I'm not in a practice at the moment that I see as a stepping stone for what's coming after, but it's actually a clinic that I get paid so well already that there is no need to ever leave, right? I'm part of this clinic that allows me to do whatever I want to do and allows me to step up into like my artistry that I want to do. Uh, and they pay me so well doing it that I couldn't really make much more money like doing it by myself. And I can leave all this stuff to the side that I really don't want to deal with. Yeah, I hate doing administration. I hate like sitting there filling out numbers and notes and looking at payments and you know, it's just not me. And of course you can have an accountant for it, but <clears throat> you're still gonna be involved with it and it takes hours of your life. And those hours I could spend doing other stuff. And so for me, like my big thing for you is really when you choose a job, be wise about where you're gonna go. Like have maybe like a friends community around it. Have maybe a group around where like there's support of chiropractors. Go somewhere where you actually feel welcomed and where you love the city. And go somewhere where you can actually see yourself living. Because <clears throat> to me, like if you only go for like a stepping stone practice, you keep or you end up like being most of the time unhappy because you never build up a life around the practice so much. You don't find that many friends because you don't have the time. Um, and it makes life so much more hard. And so for me, like I'm so proud and actually like really feel honored that I'm ended up in a practice where I can say, hey, if, if that's my last practice in life, then uh, I'm still doing great. Uh, and that's really what I wish for all of you that like that's something you can actually say about wherever you're going to go and work. You know, that's the actuality, doesn't matter, you know, but like that should be the future you, you envision for yourself because if you can't manifest that in your head, that like that's what you're going to have, but you go in with a mindset, I'm going to do this two years and then I'm going to step away and do something else, then that's pretty much what's going to manifest for you. Um, yes. For KTC and for what we're going to teach, who actually knows what what the ninjas here or the car training culture does? Does anyone know that? Can I show, see by a show of hands that like who knows what we're going to do or what we do? A few. Okay. Majority not. So even my old housemate doesn't really know what I do. <laughs> so, are you strong on the BS though? Like he's pretty good. So, um, well, Kairos training culture, as the name now suggests is a training program or it's like a, like a structured way of training for the art of chiropractic. And it's really just generalized the art of chiropractic because we're not doing 
adjusting ninjas style adjusting you know like it's just a way of training not a technique and um, what I see is sadly enough in a lot of colleges the number of people participating in these training groups like declines and that is not only here but it's in America that is in in Australia that is anywhere where we go uh, and look people get really excited about it and then like they kind of drop the attention because I don't know why but uh, my thing for you is really know how lucky you are to have so many chiropractors around you at the moment and so many people your age that you can train with share knowledge with learn from pick up different small bits of technique that they've learned things that they've seen at seminars that you can learn from and just share it and it doesn't have to be just in ninjas or ktc or or gonstead or anything else but just like meet up go to the bar especially go to the bar because it's dying otherwise and <clears throat> go to the bar and actually share that knowledge yeah, if you don't sit together here, you'll never have the chance again. Because when you're working, yeah, you're pretty much working, then you go home, you're tired, and you go to sleep. Uh, and so you really make the most out of the time you have here. Because every time I come back, I just love being at the ACC. Like, it's just such a nice college. Uh, you know, you, you can fight about the actual structure of the course. You can fight about, like, you know, maybe it being all the other courses now on top of it, which I won't. Uh, but even with that i wish there would be more exchange between the courses because i'm sure like you don't you don't have so much to do with the others eh? no. no which is a shame because i think you could learn a lot from each other um cool for so for, for ktc just to quickly explain <clears throat> what these guys do is they get together in the morning and in the morning because in the morning no one else has an excuse not to show up besides they want to sleep right also it's a question of actually holding each other accountable uh, to show up in the morning because um, if you can't make it in the morning well you're not going to be make it any other time during the day and the early morning training keeps also your mind really focused on just the training so you pull through for one and a half hours and then you can go home shower and go to a lecture right so then you're done with that uh, and the training that they do and the teaching they do is to do physical training meditation chiropractic specific warm-ups and actually uh, the assessment uh, of the body right and I think that's something that's really compact and valuable to do for those who've never experienced it uh, and I encourage everyone to at least go once yes uh, I was gonna ask what's the what are the differences between like a program like KTC and MLS what's different mm. <laughs> it's a very good question because <clears throat> obviously when KTC started initially a lot of the concepts were based on MLS and the reason or what attracted me to KTC at some point was because MLS was the program that resonated the most with me yeah it was just one of those training programs where you actually go to a seminar and you get there and you start sweating because you train so hard yeah everyone shuts up there's no talking and then by the end of it like you've done so much instead of you just only listened and then the strikes or the, the, the adjustment vectors uh, that they do was initially was exactly the same as MLS and over time then developed more to and evolved into what we do now which varies a bit from MLS and the structure of the seminars varies as well plus <clears throat> another big difference is that KTC is very present on social media and also with videos which means that <clears throat> when Arno was still teaching the MLS we got 
like an A4 sheet, I think, of small exercises to do when we go away. I'm not sure what it's like now, but uh, in KTC, what they had is they had like a six-month training module that you would get with videos that would go through every single step to review and to then for you to, to revise. Um, yeah, but the main thing is, well, what's dissimilar is the adjusting from neutral, so adjusting from a neutral meningeal torque and from a spinal neutral. That's the same for both of them. The vectors are different. Some approaches to certain areas are different. Yes. Uh, one of the things that I saw and felt was kind of a big difference between MLS and KTC was the self like the importance of self-awareness. So when you're adjusting someone, when you're approaching a system, with KTC there is so much um, focus on the posture of your body. So the, the chiropractor's posture, the chiropractor's awareness of the posture, even the insular cortex awareness of what you're doing. And so a specific training programs that will allow you to get from unconscious incompetence, so you don't know that you don't know about your posture, to the unconscious competence, so you don't know that you know about your posture. Okay, so that's for me at least in my experience was something that really made the difference. You know, the amount of training, the amount of focus that you spent on your actual posture and on your actual like body awareness was the life they begin changer for me in KTC. Yeah, but it's a good question because obviously they are very similar in many ways yeah. and because they develop from each other, sort of, um, there is a lot of similarities. Hey guys, it's me again. I'm just going to butt in here quickly and let you guys know that we chopped a little bit of the podcast out and this will just make this podcast slightly smoother flowing and focused on the actual content of the talk. At this point in the talk, Lenny kindly offered to pay for someone's ticket to their seminar um, that they were hosting that weekend, so the next few minutes were just spent finding someone to take that place. The second half of this talk is mainly Q&A. Um, there are some really interesting bits of insight shared here, and is my personal favorite part of the talk. So I hope you guys enjoy the rest of it. Because in the end, you know what, what I think is important, like when I was a student here, like the really amazing thing was that most of my seminars, they were paid by chiropractors, because I couldn't afford it. But I was so involved in WCCS and, uh, and other programs that I always had chiropractors helping me out. And, uh, and for me, that was one of the biggest things. So at the time, or I said it earlier, when I was still in clinic, uh, they, we would still get uh, credits or money for adjusting above the average of the normal student. And I think that doesn't exist anymore from what I've just heard. Uh, but for example, my money I donated uh, to the Just Ninjas Club because I believe that if you don't give back to the students, because I think that's what chiropractic is to me, right? I think it's just like about giving back to, to the students uh, and making the profession strong. And if I can help anyone expose uh, to what we do, uh, which I love, then uh, you're more than welcome to come. Um, and I encourage you as well like to keep that in mind when you graduate that you do that as well, like to give back. Because if you go to any seminar, to Cairo Europe or anywhere else, you'll always find this, the chiropractors paying for your dinners, paying for whatever. It's a very generous profession. Um, and I hope you guys carry that with you as well. Uh, it's really important, yes. Um, one question, how does the book Power Versus Force by David Hawkins relate to KTC? Power Versus Force, I haven't read it. So I can't no, really no, answer no, that to you. No. Brett Jones talks about it a lot. Yeah. yeah. So the interesting thing is, if you followed, yeah, I just something just came up to my mind. 
and power versus force means um, power comes from you, so it's something you put out there from you, the force goes through you. That's a very big concept in the KTC adjusting style. <clears throat> so the, the idea is when you deliver an adjustment, it should be the force going through you, through your system, through your biotensegrity system, okay, by doing it in continuity, instead of you pushing something. So it doesn't go come from you, but goes through you with your whole body participating into the adjustment. So are you using power or are you using force? Force. Yeah. Force. So there's also like we there's like a drill uh, that we do on power versus force to kind of let you feel different. Uh, and well, I think you know what it's like, right? You have a client, a patient in front of you, and maybe it's also quite good to touch on that because it was sort of what Damiano or Damiano uh, talked about earlier. Sometimes you have a client and you're like, you're doing something and it works amazing and you do a very similar thing to the next person and it just doesn't work at all. Like, I'm sure everyone had that at some point. Yes, maybe. Sure. Very quiet as always. Um, <laughs> and so sometimes you have this client on the table or a patient and you feel like they're like water flowing off your table and you kind of have to gather them together to kind of get them into side posture to do your thing. Um, and Therefore, like sometimes you need more power, yeah, or you need more force. But like we try to put the main emphasis on on, on a force application. Uh, but you need to be able to know the difference to adapt to different styles and body types, mm -hmm. yeah, because you can't treat everyone the same way. And uh, and that's a lot of what KTC does now as well. Like we talk a lot about different body types and how you approach them, um, because yeah, if you only have like. A hammer, you know, everything looks like a nail. Like you just, yeah, you can't just hammer everything. Yeah. <laughs> At least in chiropractic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say. <laughs> have you ever watched the video of BJ yeah. uh, practicing adjusting? Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who watched the video of BJ, what I noticed is when when he delivers an impulse with like a toggle adjustment, I could see the movement starting from his feet. That to me is a representation of force coming like through your body. It's producing, that is the whole body collaborating to the delivery of an impulse. It's not just him pushing an atlas back in place or whatever it was it was doing. Okay, if, if someone has access to those videos, please share it with everybody else. And it definitely looks like the power is coming from his toes. Yeah. And it's the power, the force, whatever it is, but traveling through his whole system and like a wave. And, and get out from his hands. Okay, it's not just like triceps uh, contraction. It's the whole biotensegrity, the whole myofascial chains working together in order to get the power from the ground, from the universe, from whatever it is that, that you feel it from. But yeah, that was the idea. Anything else? Well, <laughs> well, you're gonna come tomorrow. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the idea that we try to, to study and to practice and to train in a way that uh, honor the continuity and the, you know, um, the ability of our power to, the overall body to have the force coming through us. There is other ways of training it. Ours is just one of them. So the best way to do it is just train. Train, get to know your body, and then play with it, and push yourself out of your comfort zone. And that's, that's about it. <clears throat>
Right, that's a really good thing. I mean, it's a good question in the end because, well, there is no seminar where you go and then you go home and you're like, right, I've got to I've mastered this shit, you know, and then you go home <laughs> and it's like, you know, I'm really good, I think, at like actually looking at a video and then copying the style and making that adjustment. But to master any technique or to master anything, like it takes hours and hours and hours, right? It's like 5,000 hours or so to master a skill. 10,000. Or 10,000, you know, <laughs> numbers, not my numbers. Um, <clears throat> But that's why also like Brad would always, Brad Jones would always talk about like being on the path of mastery and not being a master of anything, right? Some people might call him a master, or might, some people might call the Syntropy boys like uh, to be a master, but you know, I think they wouldn't call themselves that uh, because every year or every day you evolve, you learn something new and you incorporate that and sometimes you have these breakthrough things where out of a sudden everything changes for you and you completely start doing a different style of adjusting, right? Like it's just normal for example like when i started to do more emotional techniques like the amount of people actually walking through my door like needing an emotional adjustment in some way you know like it just exploded like now i'm half of my day i'm spending actually like dealing with emotional stuff you know it's because i enjoy working with it but you know you, you will attract what your body's ready for and like what your knowledge allows you to do to deal with yes please The best adjustment I've ever had? Yeah, from Pat. Yeah. yeah, so Pat McMain, like, well, he adjusted me during MLS uh, seminars, but I think, like, the best adjustment I had was probably their Oxford lift. You know, they do, like, a supine Oxford lift, and I think it's one of the best adjustments uh, because it's what allowed my whole system to be free. But, for example, like, <clears throat> for that adjustment to actually be able to adjust me like that, like, we had to work, I think, a day of getting adjusted twice during the day to get my body actually in the position where I could actually handle that Oxford lift, right? And then like when it was set up like that and it was actually the time for that adjustment, uh, it was like probably the, one of the most freeing adjustments. Uh, another adjustment that was probably like really, really important for me was uh, by, well, Brett Jones adjusted me also where I felt like, Oof. and then also another guy that, well, <clears throat> At the time, I didn't even like him necessarily. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really I value what 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 he does. Um, was um, what's his name? Uh, Michael Dibley from Norway. Michael Dibley, you can have an opinion about him whatever way. You know, some love him, some hate him, uh, but he's very authentic to himself, and I think like he's he's doing things for a good cause. Uh, and I had one of the best adjustments from him when, uh, yeah, I didn't really give or hold too much on his on his name. So like for me, it was one of the best adjustments I ever had. Uh, that was in Scotland. Yeah. So those those two or those three probably are some of the best adjustments. Yeah. Doesn't mean that my my chiropractor that I work for is not a great adjuster. He's an amazing adjuster. Um, but in terms of best adjustments, those three, I guess. Was that a question, or are you just sitting there? Uh, yeah, no, actually, I want to add something. Yeah. What Lenny said about um, receiving that occipital lift, it was the perfect momentum. Like you said, it's so important to like deliver the right adjustment at the right time, and it was like a build-up process to that occipital lift, and that's something that I've really learned from Cairo's training culture, but also from technique like network and that kind of stuff, 
where you really approach the person in a way, okay, what is it that it needs right now? And it can be a tiny, tiny impulse. And then you need to maybe wait a week. And sometimes it's like, okay, no, this person is actually ready for more. Yep. And just being able to, yeah, look at it in that way and establish that is really powerful, that yep. momentum. 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, which books would you recommend, like book is, would you recommend to students to read during their time in college? Oh, as many as you can. <laughs> um, I was never a really big reader, but there, there are a few. Uh, there is, for philosophy, there was one, well, let, let's start, which one was I? So, for philosophy, I, my, one of my favorite was... Um, Sinnott. Yeah, Rob Sinnott's book. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's what you recommended. That's what I recommend. It's good or not? Yeah. It's a good book. Uh, Rob Sinnott's book uh, on, on chiropractic philosophy. Uh, Stevenson's book, if you have a lot of time and the passion to push through it. Because um, for me, I didn't, I never really went through it because I, I read parts of it, but it was really useful, but no. Um, I think everyone has to have, uh, well, has, has, has. How do you say that? Right. Should have read <laughs> Heidi Harvick's book, I think. Yeah. It's like, it's just a very handy book to read. Yeah. Um, there are great books, all of the books, I think, from... Um, oh, come on, what's the name? Names, I'm really good with names, by the way. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Oh, will come to me in a minute. If I'm in the bar and have another beer, then I'll tell you. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Rob's in it, for sure. Uh, I also, I, for me, technique-wise, also a really good book to, to read was uh, the, the book on Thompson from, uh, Je, Je, what's his name? John, John Minardi. Yeah, super easy book like for technique. Also like that. Gave me a lot of things to, do, to work with at the time. Uh, I'm sure I have a list somewhere. I'll do it, if I have a list, I'll post some underneath the event. For me, it was super useful at the time. Yeah, it's, it's quite easy. Like, I think, well, if you really do Thompson, Thompson, like, I think also that gets more complex. The same as people say, well, I know SOT, uh, but you don't know SOT because um, SOT is so complex. Um, I think Thompson is great. And I've done it here in college for like uh, very extensively for quite some time. Um, as everything, it has its limits. Um, but I think the analysis of like the Deerfield test and some of these things are super useful because they get utilized in many, many different techniques. Um, yeah, I think as a baseline, really good. And because when you go, you do Thompson, you do activated methods, like they are similar in ways because they integrate the head rotation, they integrate like arm, well, some of them integrate arm positioning and stuff in the assessment of the body. And it just teaches you to actually analyze the body a bit more carefully. You know, like, you, for example, if you try to go for leg length uh, analysis, leg length analysis, and you don't pay attention to how the body's positioned, how the head is rotated, and you just talk to your patient and they may be looking backwards, it changes all your findings. So like, <clears throat> I think in that way, it teaches you a lot of analysis, uh, which is super helpful. And also when you have like really acute and maybe disc patients, I think Thompson can be quite a good option. Uh, or even with pregnant uh, people, sometimes it can be a good option. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I wanted to answer to your question about books. Oh, yeah. uh, which is something that Mirza just said. Joe Dispenza, anything that he oh, yeah. wrote, it's great. So you should definitely get into that. Bruce Lipton, once again, anything that he wrote is very useful and it will help you open a, bit of it, a little bit your mind to what's possible out there. Those books are not necessarily directly chiropractic related books, but you can, I, well, I found a lot of ways to get connected to what I do by reading those books. For example, Biology of Beliefs also yeah, in, the, in the library downstairs. Yeah. Um, there's many great books down there actually, or used to be anyway. And if you like anything related with functional neurology, I would 100% recommend Dr. Robert Melillo, Disconnect the Kids. And then Reconnect the Kids. It's two books. The, the reason why I like Disconnect the Kids because it's a super, super easy way to understand and explain what's going on with the brain, which is developing, in, uh, and then explain it to patients and to families. You know, if you have, if you have ever deal with autistic kids or ADHDs or all these kind of developmental problems and issues, it's a really good way to detect, test, and then explain to parents what's happening to their kids. And he's a chiropractor, he also does seminars all over the place, so definitely look into the Robert Murillo's books. And also, I mean, it's not, functional, it's not related to functionalology, but our friend Dr. Brett Jones just published a book, which is called Know Who That You Are, is literally what it's called. And I haven't read it yet, it's, I'm gonna open it on Monday, because it's gonna be delivered on Monday. I've heard good things about it, if you want to know a little bit more about who is the creator of KTC, then maybe you should look into that. Especially, I think, if you're looking for personal development stuff, you know, then I think like Brad's book's going to be amazing, so you know, know who the fuck you are. Uh, it's a good one. Then, well, everything from, from Bruce, everything from uh, Dispenza is true. Uh, John DeMartini, everything, great books. Um, but they can go pretty deep, you know, like you just need to be ready for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you can see like Damiano is definitely the one reading. So, <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah. so um, just a technique question. So you were saying you used to do quite a lot, lot of Thompson. Is it like what you're doing now? Do you pick your bits and pieces of all the techniques that you've been studying throughout the years? And you're still doing like the, the, the Thompson um, leg length check and you're integrating into what you're doing now or you're quite kind of like sticking to a protocol and trying to do only that protocol? So it's a good question. I, or oh, us at Human Health, we developed our own protocol um, that is a mix of a lot. So <clears throat> I think the main basis are SOT uh, and SOT in a lot of detail. Uh, parts of AK and then a lot of NOT, NET, like emotional techniques, right? Best, um, Team J assessments from Meersmann. Um, we do a lot of muscle testing, a lot of muscle testing for the jaw, for dual torque, for upper cervical majors or for priorities. So we, for us, before we actually go and just uh, check and adjust people, we make sure that what we call priorities in the body, they're all cleared out so that we don't have so much stuff coming back and the body is actually evolving a whole lot quicker. Yeah? So for us, that's what our protocol is for. Uh, and it's a really a mix of many, many techniques. 
when it comes to the actual adjustment and the application of, of, of force, uh, I adjust as we teach here. Um, it's like a more KTC way of adjusting, if that's a thing. So trying to adjust from neutral uh, as much as I can. Um, application is everything from Oxford lifts to adjustments with as little meningeal torque as possible. Yeah. But the testing and finding where to adjust is a lot of muscle testing, a lot of different protocols from different techniques. Mm -hmm. Is that somewhat um, similar to like the Peter yeah, priority very, system? Yeah, very much. Work through very much. Yeah. So like the, for those who know Peter um, it's very much based on Peter uh, protocol, just other bits taken into it. Uh, other some bits maybe left out, and it's a bit of like yeah, but it's very sim similar right. to that. Yeah. yeah, it's very interesting. Any other questions? Uh, James always smiling. Hey, no question. No. <laughs> Would you recommend the uh, KTC videos? Yes. Yes. Well, if you if well, let's say this: if you're a person who learns good from videos or who can visualize and then apply it, hundred percent. Uh, otherwise, I would rather recommend doing seminars and then looking into the videos. Um, but yeah, I think they're great. Like for me, I learn very easily from videos, so uh, they were really good help. And I think Brett is really good in explaining stuff, so I think um, you get a lot out of it. Plus also, there's a lot of free material that uh, Brett does on, on YouTube, like on his YouTube channel, like where he assesses clients or people who work for him and explains a bit what he does and how he does it. Uh, and I think also you get some bits of what are, is in the paid modules you get from those videos as well, just as a little tip. Uh, yeah. Do you guys use In the clinic? Yeah. Uh, so that, well, <clears throat> not, not for my own diagnosis per se, uh, in Amsterdam because it's not allowed. Uh, I can't x-ray, I can send people to x-rays, but through a medical doctor. Uh, but in the Netherlands it's not legal to do it. Um, if someone brings an x-ray, I look at look at look at it. I analyze it, but I don't put listings from the uh, from the X-rays. Yeah, because also not really what we do in the clinic. So for us, it's more based on muscle testing and actually having four or five different tests to verify the one subluxation, right? Like the one issue that we're going to address, uh, rather than going off what we just see on the picture purely on that or. Or if you do like an, in a constant way where you have your five or seven, how many? Five? Five uh, measurements. Um, yeah, in most cases you don't do that. And because we don't undress clients, like for us it's difficult to use nervous scope, it's difficult to look at like the, the bruised apple type thing. So um, in that sense, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, always. Yeah. Even on the first visit, people don't undress. Yeah. I mean, they take their jacket off and their shoes, but um, that's pretty much whatever, that's what, what happens. So yeah. you don't use pinwheels for sensory? If I have to, yes. Okay. But I don't, I don't do it on every client. Ah. So if, I, if someone has like neurological loss or I see like there's really severe uh, uh, loss of like motor function, then I assess it. Uh, if they tell me like and something points towards hernia or points towards like neurological damage, then yes. Uh, but it's not that I routinely do it on everyone. Yeah, and sometimes like it's just indicated you touch them and you say I'll just lift this one up and they don't even know what you're tapping right then I'm like okay maybe I should quickly <laughs> check that as well <laughs> yeah, but not on everyone any other questions 
Yes. What is the actual mechanism behind muscle testing for? What's the mechanism? Yeah. Do we even know? Yeah, it's a good question. But that's, I think, where I can't, I don't have a really straight answer for you. Uh, because that every person who teaches muscle testing has a variation of an answer for that. Um, yeah, I don't have a good answer for you, actually, to be honest. Because everything else that I would just give you is just rambling off what I've heard. Yeah. And I don't think that is necessarily true. Uh, and also, when you muscle test and you go into different techniques or you look into best, for example, you can change the outcome a lot with intention. And that's why, like for example, one of the main things we teach in Kairos training culture is uh, to clear yourself first before you approach the person because you can put a lot of your own subluxations or your own patterns onto people when you check them. That's why sometimes you go and you always find, yeah, it's always a PI on the right, it's always this and that. Um, I think it's often people putting their own patterns on people. Uh, and so intention changes a lot and that's why I think you need to be really clear in your own uh, body like to be able to do muscle testing properly yeah so then what's the science behind it Ooh, difficult hey yeah there's no good answer I think I, I don't have one no I appreciate you like yeah no worries. Yeah, to say that I think a lot of people just be like oh it's this yeah and then it'll be very very back Plus, plus, also, like you know, that's really where it comes to like the in individual person. I'm not a good student. I never been a good student. I was quite a good, like, well, I was okay in adjusting. Uh, but for me, if I understand the big picture and I see it works, I'm okay with it. That's like kind of me, right? If you ask my boss, like he's really into details, wants to know every pathway of everything, like he would have maybe be able to give you an answer. Um, but it's just not who I am as a. And that's also when you see, like during the seminars, uh, there is a certain division between what Damiano teaches and what I teach, because some things he's just better at, and some things I'm better at. No. Anyone else? No. <laughs> yes. So since you was you were also involved in like constant technique, what resonated less in that technique and more in like MLS or KPC? Like, why would you pick that style of? Uh, I think, well, I think that if you want to, like that's what I just said, like when you when you want to practice Gonstead, you need to have your five points of analysis, I believe. And because in the rare cases, well, not very often will you have an x-ray for, for your client that you train on in, in college, plus also when you come out and you go to a country where you don't have x-ray, out of a sudden that's something that's missing from your analysis. And that's something where I knew I'm going to go probably somewhere in Europe where no x-rays are allowed. That part is already gone. Uh, and that's something that I don't, that didn't make sense to me, number one. Number two, I prefer adjusting people in clothes rather than naked, uh, which means I'm probably not going to use a nervous scope, um, number two. Uh, and then I like to rely to some degree on muscle testing as well with my assessment. Um, it gives me a lot of like confidence in what I adjust, uh, and that I didn't really have. It was more based on palpation when I trained it, um, and yeah, that like I didn't for me it wasn't enough. Uh, I, from the pure application of it, I think some of the Gonstead approaches are amazing. Uh, some of the like especially seated adjusting is great for cervicals. Uh, I think what's great is like a lot of the approaches for side posture. Um, I think some of the pelvic adjustments for like an uh, EX adjustment is great for the like for the pelvis. 
so there's a lot of really good adjustments, but uh, sometimes I find that Gonstead doesn't really integrate such a biotensegrity approach to the body rather than like a segmental um, biomechanical approach. Yeah. Yes. Oh, sorry, we'll do up and then. Yeah. Why do you prefer to treat always in closes with any Makes me more comfortable. It's the honest answer. When I was a student, I used to also sweat a lot. Like I always had a bit of like a thing of sweating, like sweat really easy. Uh, got much better, but like I never liked to touch people's naked body like that. It was just wasn't me. Um, plus also I find it takes too much time and some people I also had the experience that they weren't as comfortable uh, being naked in front of me, which would then already change uh, sometimes the muscle testing. So for example, if you test someone half naked, and they're not comfortable and it puts like a stress in the body, like just emotionally, because they had some sort of emotional trauma, you just don't get to where I would get at the moment. Um, because I work with a lot of emotional cases uh, where we do muscle testing. <clears throat> uh, if, you then, if they've been raped in the past and you have them naked in front of you, it's very unlikely that like, you're gonna be able to test to that level, in my experience. And, and that is much more common, right? Like, so like I, I used to just a lot of like, um, let's say bikini class bodybuilders from Germany. And a lot of them do it for very weird reasons. And when you go into that, uh, they wouldn't be comfortable or they wouldn't share it if they would be in this environment. Let's say that. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes, oh, sorry. You pretty much half answered this, but like, what, what I was just thinking about is the sort of the model of biotensegrity, also what Brad Jones is doing, and I watch a lot of uh, content, and when I'm thinking, yeah, okay, you're adjusting with clothes, but wouldn't it be um, much preferable without clothes to sort of see the tension and also the sort of maybe some slight changes in the superficial fascia yep. and all that stuff, wouldn't it be like of benefit seeing the patient undressed, especially if you're using that technique or that 100%, system? 100%, yeah, <clears throat> I agree with you. Mm -hmm. A lot of it over time you'll feel, and I think like the more you work, the more sensitive your fingers get, especially when the more you rely on those uh, approaches. Uh, and you will feel a lot of things just by, as soon as you touch, you're like, okay, right, I, I know where this is. And I think a lot of the adjustments you already know even before you touch the person anyway, like just yeah. your body innately just knows. Um, and then everything else you do is just confirmation of it. Um, but I agree with you that some points like it's actually would be beneficial to feel like all the different like tissue layers much better um, that's where for example like if I really feel I need a certain contact I, I would just like go up t-shirt up and I would put my hand underneath and do it um, but I wouldn't undress them yeah but I agree with you in some for example if they wear as tight jeans as I do uh, it's not ideal mm -hmm. uh, can I add something yeah. I feel like it also depends on the type of person that you are. If you're more like a visual person, so a person that notices details by looking at someone, or more like kinesthetic, so needs to actually touch and feel the tone, the tension, etc., etc., or, or anything else. You know, there is people that definitely need to see, to look at someone, look at someone walking, look at someone like the posture, breathing, and everything. And someone else that is just putting the hands on them and you feel everything that you need to feel just by touching with your hands. So yeah. I'm sure every single one of you has experienced that in different ways. So for maybe for some of you, it's easier to know what's happening by looking or someone else is just, okay, if I look, I don't notice anything, but if I touch, boom. 
you have it right there. So that's also something that if you focus on yourself, you can notice. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's very individual, hey? Like, I, I don't know. It was just the way it was because I, we work open or semi, semi open plan mm -hmm. in the clinic. And even though it's that setting, you still have like all these emotional releases. Like we have pretty much every day, we have someone like crying and like crying out loud on the bench. Um, and people are okay with being vulnerable, but if then they are naked and crying, then it gets a bit weird at points, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so yeah, I guess, yeah. Just for what we do and to the depth of what we do, like it's, it's just not suitable, I think. Yeah. Yes. Is the five second model that you follow or KTC follows, is that based off the work of Thomas Myers and My Fashion Radiance? Yeah. Or is yeah. it, it is that one, right? Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Cool. Yeah. Is that the kind of globally accepted kind of? And obviously because all of us, we have, uh, we come from slightly different technique backgrounds, right? So like, you will always have when I teach and when Damiano teaches, like, well, Damiano does also the BGI. So like, he will integrate some of the knowledge from there. I'll integrate some of the knowledge from other techniques to kind of give you also a bit of what we actually do in practice because KTC is not the only thing I do in practice, right? Like we don't teach any muscle testing in KTC necessarily, um, which means I show you some of the things that I do, just like to give you a bit of a, yeah, like a bit of a, um, a vision what else is there and like what else could you do, yeah. But yeah, that's the tentacle model, that's right. Cool. Have you seen miracles? Yeah. 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 Well, yes, a lot, and I think you'll see it's more often than, than than you think. So, like everything from actually, yeah, the typical thing of people really like restoring the hearing, like you know that, like we we had I don't know five six cases in the clinic, uh, tinnitus patients, maybe for them some people that's a miracle, yeah, but it comes very often from Team J problems. So like once you solve like that problem, that goes away. Uh, we had stuff like. Um, people like being carried in by, by two or three friends, not being able to walk. Uh, we got adjusted for three, four hours uh, in the clinic and actually walked out normal. Uh, we had people with uh, one person, maybe it's a cool story to share and I'm sure I can share it because <clears throat> like she, she also did testimonies for us. She's a really famous entrepreneur in the Netherlands and now it's a really good friend of mine as well. She came in because she always had like this pain here between the shoulder blades, like very typical yeah, where you think like, okay, it comes from posture uh, or from sitting too much. And, but when she walked in, I felt straight away that it was not just a structural problem. And she felt very distant when she walked in as a client. <clears throat> and so she sat there as if she wouldn't trust chiropractic. And so I openly addressed to her, like, I, I feel like you don't trust chiropractic or you don't trust me. Is there anything I can help you with that we have a better relationship? Uh, from the beginning and then she said no I'm fine like I heard really good things about you it's okay I only have this thing uh, and what she did like she would always go home at night uh, and lay on the floor and her boyfriend who is like two meters ten or something or no it's not that tall two meters and three or whatever it is and um, he with almost just like 100 kilos would stand on her back uh, to crack it and then she would go one or two days without and then like she would have the same thing done again and he at some point said like he doesn't want to do it anymore because he comes back and he doesn't feel comfortable and he'd rather have someone actually look at him. So then she came to, <laughs> she came to me and, uh, and I felt really early that it was something else. And so for me, it was one of my favorite cases actually because um, 
I then tested her and like through the testing I found that it was like an emotional problem and through best and some other techniques I could tell her exactly when it was, what it was and what the emotion was and I could tell her like that who it has to do with and, and, and what the actual issue was and that changed everything for her and as soon as I touched her on the back where we would make the correction for that emotional trauma uh, she just collapsed on the table so like she just like fainted and then was crying afterwards for like several minutes uh, really heavily uh, and then when she calmed down we actually did the correction and she never had that uh, that problem since now she is a and that was only by touch right by touch and tapping uh, we corrected it and um, and she's a really connected person and so every time I work with her like when I have my hand above her head uh, and she's laying face down and she can't see it or feel it uh, she thinks I'm shining a torch on her head because she starts seeing light when I have my hand uh, over her head and for her like her body's so connected that she can feel like my energy like that and um, this one for me is one of those miracle cases where like she suffered from it for 20 years uh, and you could resolve it in one adjustment which had to do to kind of release her emotion uh, she had like two weeks nightmares really bad nightmares uh, and then she was clear so that to me like all those cases that like I really yeah. and crazy stuff with babies I mean like we're, I'm not the biggest guy with babies but sometimes we, I adjust them still and uh, we had cases where like we had like these early born babies so 35th week or something like born uh, being all over the place and that had massive jumps in the development through chiropractic care yeah but to me they're so normal now that like I, I don't even know if that what you would classify a okay not because we're that good but because it happens I think after every chiropractor everywhere all the time yeah sort of answers it sure. or adjusting your ankle no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd love to get an answer with you on this question. What would be your number one advice to students on what to do or get involved in or whatever when they're in college to sort of help them? <coughs> yeah. Sure. First. So, well, number one for me, for sure, like 100% uh, is WCCS, or the World Congress of Chiropractic Students. To me, one of the most valuable experiences I've ever had. Because number one, you get to travel and it's amazing. Number two, you get really involved in chiropractic to a much deeper sense and you really learn and see what's out there. Uh, plus, you also learn how fortunate you are with the college that you, that you study at. Uh, how amazing actually ACC is as an environment um, compared to what some students have in Durban or what some people have in Johannesburg or uh, even in America, like how bad like, the campuses are. Um, you really start to appreciate that and you really start to appreciate your education. Uh, so WCCS for one. Uh, KTC is my second one because it's like the second community that I had after WCCS. Uh, and here in this college, um, for me also one of the biggest things was the college bar. Because uh, I worked in the college bar for five years uh, from pretty much the beginning till, till the end. Uh, and it was one of the best experiences because I made really good friends there uh, and I had one of the best sort of student experiences from behind the bar. Um, so for me it was really important as well. Um, 
and we had a philosophy club at the time so the philosophy club helped me a lot like to develop my own understanding of why I practice chiropractic <clears throat> so that was another big one for me and then get to and this is really probably the main thing get to as many seminars and conferences as possible as your budget allows or as chiropractors allow you to attend um, because only if you see and feel what you don't want can you actually then make those decisions in the future and it will never be as cheap again as it is right now yeah like seminars and, and conferences can get really really expensive you know like they nowadays they cost 500 euros almost minimum it's nuts like it's crazy I'm still surprised how expensive it is but yeah uh, do as many seminars as well yeah. and there's like and, and for the seminars I know that like there was a rumor when I was here and young uh, that actually if you do too many seminars you start mixing them up in the exams and stuff and then like you get confused it doesn't happen <laughs> it doesn't happen so uh, do them yeah I mean I couldn't agree more with what you just said um, I mean WCCS for me was it's one of the reasons why I'm here right now and I do what I do and it's, it's also a reason why like it's my why in so many ways uh, gave me amazing opportunities to receive and to give back to the chiropractic community in many so many levels and also on the other hand KTC once again it helped me to become a better chiropractor a better version of myself providing me tools and the support network to do it but yeah definitely show up as much as you can find whatever makes sense to you and dig deeper into that and train that and get interested into that as much as you can and, and as Eleni said I mean being a student a lot of times sucks because you have exams you have a lot of stuff to do you're super busy but is that time in your life where you're gonna have people close to you that study the same thing you're gonna you are studying and it's the easiest way to find a community to grow and to you know express yourself for the best you can because it's just it's just super easy I mean for example I'm in Naples south of Italy I am the only chiropractor below 40 years of age which means that like there is no one there is no community there where I can go and hang out and train and it's a completely different thing so I'm, I'm by myself if I would have been, wouldn't have been involved in, in stuff like WCCS KTC and other chiropractic communities I would just be out there by myself doing chiropractic just just, just me so it's definitely important to find a community of like-minded people that will help you express yourself and, and really actually develop passion towards the profession because it's easy to get caught into a routine of just being a student and you know, go to class, study, pass the exams and repeat and it's easy to miss out, it's very easy to miss out so if you really have that sparkle of curiosity it's basically curiosity, want to know more, want to explore, want to see what, what's out there just do it, there is many many ways you can do it now thanks to social media you can look in Facebook or Instagram or whatever chiropractors all around the world and say okay I just want to follow this guy and like for example Brett look at his video see what he's doing see how he's working with his practice and learn so much from him and I'm sure in the UK there is tons of chiropractors you can learn from and also chiropractic is such a small community that it will be easier easiest for you to find someone that will allow you to go and observe them like shadow the chiropractors just go just reach out 
I'm sure you will find, but I, I mean, for example, I'm sure you're invited to Naples and to Amsterdam from now on, whenever you want to come visit us. You try one of the best pizzas you've ever maybe had in your entire life. You can come to Naples anytime. Huh? No, no brain Yeah, no brain pizza in Naples. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, so the, the short answer is, I think, find your community. It doesn't matter if it's like for you, Kairi Europe, or any seminar, or if it's like here in college with a training group, or a technique, or it doesn't matter. Like, community is, is key. Yep. And it's what gave me a job as well, because I'm working for, like, the past president of WCCS. Um, so, yeah. Yes, yes. Right. Other questions? Done? No? Cool. Like, you don't run away, hey? Like, we still need your details. Thanks for coming and thanks for both for one hour and a half yeah. of the talk. Because okay, I mean, it's Friday night for everybody. So yeah. I guess all of you want to be maybe somewhere else having beverages or partying or studying or resting. So thank you for, for being yeah. with us yeah. all night. Thanks very much, guys. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us again. And we hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Thanks to Damiano and Lenny for sharing so many valuable insights with us and having such an open discussion at the end there. This week, we have another podcast being released, which will be a live presentation delivered by Stefan Gospodinov. He'll be talking about health optimization and a method that he's created called the Beta Brain Method. This will be a Facebook live stream hosted by Rob and will later be uploaded as a podcast. Please join us for that and get stuck into the comments section during the live stream to engage with the presentation. All right, we'll see you again on Wednesday. Bye-bye now.